0: Hello and welcome to Upstage the Podcast, your regular dose of theatre news and reviews. I'm Rachel. And I'm Abby. This week we have a review for you. We went to see Caroline or Change at the Playhouse Theatre. So we'll be talking about that. We've got quite a lot of exciting theatre news. I'm just waiting for you to respond. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then because it is LGBT History Month, We're going to talk a little bit about LGBT representation in musicals through history and do a little bit of a deep dive into that, so stay tuned for that. But first, theatre news. The first piece of news is very exciting, and it's the details on what will be happening at the Gielgud when Les Mis moves there from August to November while the Queen's Theatre is being renovated. They're going to be doing a semi-staged concert version of Les Mis, starring lots of your Lemer's favorites from years past so Michael Ball Michael Ball <laughs> Michael Ball is coming back to play Javert which is a role I don't think he's ever played before actually no I think he obviously he was married Mar- in the original cast yeah. and I feel like he's done a jean valjean before yeah i think he
1: aged up a little bit but now he's anyway
0: he's coming back to be javert opposite alfie beau as jean valjean which is very exciting because i bloody love alfie beau i think he's brilliant obviously he was in the 25th anniversary cast which i've never oh my mentioned God. before are you but... a fan of that <laughs> i am a, a big fan of that i know i keep quiet about it but i really do like the 25th anniversary recording um so very exciting alfie beau is coming back um carrie hope fletcher is going to play fontaine which again is a role she hasn't played before. She was a in the West End for two years I think it was. At least, yeah. At least. So a new role for her. John Owen Jones is gonna play Jean Valjean a couple of shows a week because Alfie Bo is so small <laughs> and needs to protect his voice. Actually not that small. <laughs> is it, it's, I thought it's he was it's really... him being small. <laughs> No it's not. I thought he was really small, but that's only because Norm Lewis is really tall. Mm. and Michael Ball is also quite tall.
1: I mean I once saw Alfie Bo on a bus, so I've got a really good A really good idea reference. Of... He's
0: just normal height, right? He was just He's just a like regular five eight, five a nine. regular guy
1: but with Alfie Bo's face. <laughs> I always And think... a voice.
0: Of a god, <laughs> I used to think he was really small, and I was always like, "How is he going to carry the Marius around when he's so small?" <laughs> but he's not; he's just a normal height man. I don't know why I had that impression. <laughs> um, and then the Tenardiers are going to be played by Matt Lucas and Katie Seacom, who obviously have also been in. The West End production and Matt Lucas is also in the 25th anniversary production. Very, very good. Very enjoyable. Very funny. Um, So that's going to be at the Gielgud from the 10th of August for 16 weeks until the 30th of November. It's not going to have all of the staging. That's why it's semi-staged, but it will have like the costumes. So further casting is to be announced there's going to be a cast and orchestra of over 65 members, Ooh. which is quite a big cast and orchestra, actually. Um, so I think it will sound great. Yes, you know, I mean When agree. they don't have the sort of the staging to do, It'll they'll make it full. sound really good.
1: Almost as good as the 25th anniversary. Not quite.
0: Not quite. Because that conductor was just mm. so handsome. Maybe he'll come back. Oh my God, he should. <laughs> I think tickets are out now. They are. That's very exciting. So I need to get some of those. Yeah, we should, because we should go. Because we can't miss that cast, really, can we?
1: It's Michael Ball. We can't miss it.
0: Michael Bull. Michael I Bull. I missed doing the Bull Bulletin.
1: Bull Bulletin. We'll Bull Bull
0: have so much good stuff for the Bull Bulletin That this was it. Year. That was our Bull Bulletin. That was the Bull Bulletin. It's Bulletin. back.
1: Um, so sticking with Carrie Hope Fletcher, there's finally a release date for the Heathers cast album which will be out on 1st of March. So very soon, very exciting. Um, And they've already released a little music video of I Say No, which was the new song that they added when the show transferred from The Other Palace to um, Haymarket West End production, which... When we reviewed Heather's, we said that we thought that she didn't have much agency. And I Say No is very much a song that just gives her agency. Yes. That's... It's almost
0: like they listened to the podcast. I really think
1: they did, though. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm only a little bit, jo- like, <laughs> definitely they heard someone say exactly what we said. Because yeah. it's basically her saying, nah, it's all about it's me saying, now, bitches.
0: It's, she says, nah. She says, nah, mate. No, thanks. Nope.
1: <laughs> um, and it's a good
0: song. It is a good song. We hadn't heard it before and I enjoy it immensely. Um, I hadn't heard it before, because I saw it on the West End. Of course you did, sorry! I hadn't heard it before, because I did not see it on the West End. But I, I like it.
1: I'm excited yeah, to hear this cast, because Carrie Hope Fletcher's very good. Jamie Moscato is very, very good. good. What a voice. Everyone was just, it was just good. It was good fun. And it'll be nice to have just a different version to listen to. I agree. Mix it up a bit. Yeah.
0: So yeah. I Say No is, you can buy it on iTunes now. It's also on Spotify, I believe. So if you want to do that, then... You can.
1: And otherwise do that now. just just days to wait for the whole mere, mere days. Mere days for the whole album. The
0: next piece of news is that further casting has been announced for And Juliet, which is the new Max Martin musical opening this autumn. So obviously Miriam Teakley is playing Juliet, but joining her will be quite a good cast. You know, so Cassidy names. Jansen, who we saw. Recently, ish in chess, mm-hmm. who was great, Oliver Thompson, who I know has done a lot of things, but I only know him as fiero and Wicked. Many, many he years ago, he was Fierro and
1: Wicked. He was in Rock Probably of Ages ago the West End. Ago. That was a while back, and he was he was in the last was. West End, I think, the very last West End yes. cast of Kinky Boots. Mm. So he's done a lot. He's been around for a while, to be honest. He's just sort of that, you yeah. know, familiar West End face. Very
0: tall, yes. very thin. You might know his face. Okay. Uh, Cassie Johnson, and Oliver Thompson are going to play the Shakespeare's.
1: Now, How and why? What we is can't happening? make sense
0: of why William Shakespeare and his wife would be in a musical about characters from a play that William Shakespeare wrote. Yeah. Is it going to be unless like a sort it's of meta?
1: Gonna, yeah, like is it going to end? It's going to be like Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill and every other show that ends with someone like writing the show. Is it going to be like that? He bumps into this Juliet person in paris and it's like imagine if i wrote a play about her but like i killed her off <laughs> maybe he really hates her and maybe he murders her i mean what are they doing there? Ideas, we I just mean, don't know doing that? but they're, they're
0: obviously going to be main characters because they're big names they're, big they're not going to have like a five minute scene yeah another... so i don't understand how they can be that
1: no i mean crucial no, I, to the story no unless idea. it's
0: very much like a william shakespeare's like changing the ending and not just like this was always the ending. Yeah. yeah I don't know how it's going to work.
1: I don't know. I mean, also another curious puzzle piece is that they've cast um, a Romeo. Yes. And obviously the whole point of this is that Romeo died, but Juliet didn't. And then she's gone on and like gone to Paris to have you know, a great time. a great the time now that Romeo's dead, but he's not dead or he is dead, but he's a ghost or he's just flashbacks or something. I don't know. Again, they've cast a relative, a relatively big name. They've cast Jordan Luke Gage. Maybe not a big name, but his last role was a lead role. He just um, was just finished up playing Strat in Battle of Hell. So I doubt that he'll be a minor role. No, agreed. But Romeo, so very Romeo's gone. It's very confusing, isn't it?
0: We're so intrigued. <laughs> I don't know what's We're so happening. Intrigued.
1: Um, even more casting news is that the new Tina and Ike Turner have been announced for Tina, the Tina Turner musical. So from April 15th, the role of Tina will be played by Nkeke Obi-Molekwe and Ike will be played by Ashley Zangaza. So, if you want to see Adrian Warren, make sure you um, get along before the 15th of April. The rest of the cast will be changing over mid March. Um, some of the existing cast are staying on. Some ensemble members have kind of been promoted slightly. The current second cover Tina Aisha Joando is going to be kind of acting up to be the alternate Tina. And there's a few other new cast members. And Keke Obi Malekwe is fresh out of the University of Michigan. She graduated last summer, which is slightly disgusting. Oh, sh- um- <laughs> But she is currently in um, the off-Broadway production of Alice by Heart, which is getting rave reviews Mm -hmm. at the moment. So she must be very good. So I think it's it's very exciting for her. It's interesting that they've got another American coming over rather than, you know, finding a Brit. But that's exciting tina also announced their cast album and released the first single so they released adrian Warren singing river deep mountain high along with a music video so very similar to the heather's setup except you know it's not for a show that's closed already and that album will be out i don't think that there's not a release date yet but they announced that it's happening the first single is out and the album will be out presumably within the next few months but Hooray. if you've ever thought that you want to listen to Tina Turner songs, but sung not by Tina Turner, <laughs> your dreams are coming true. <laughs> Next piece of news
0: is that the dates for the opening of D'Ara and Hansen have finally been announced. I'm so excited. So it's going to open in previews at the Noel Coward Theatre on the 29th of October. Opening night is going to be the 19th of November, which is not actually that far away. Like I no, know it's not. still like the end of the year, but it's, it will fly around, I'm sure. Um, tickets go on sale On the 28th of February. So, in a couple of days' time, when, you, when you're listening to this. Well, that's for priority booking, and then public booking goes on sale at 10am on Monday the 8th of April. So That is a hefty, hefty priority period. Hefty priority booking period. Well, I feel like they probably did that for Hamilton, did they?
1: No, oh, I think it was like a week. That's a little bit... I hadn't I hadn't internalised said I would say those that dates it's
0: wrong, but like, Monday the 8th of March is not... It's not a Monday. No. So, it must be the 8th of April. But that is a long time of priority booking.
1: Yeah, Weird. I'll probably make sure that I'm... Because I'm on that list. I'll probably make sure I'm just there. Oh, thank
0: God, and God and because then. I'm not. So I was oh, like, Shit.
1: i'm on there don't worry i got it they also had um open auditions recently for the role of evan hansen and there were queues round the block um at covent garden i think people were queuing for like two three hours for Oof. the chance to audition which is just it's nice I, yeah i wonder if it makes me like i feel like now if they don't cast someone who's unknown or relatively unknown it mm. will seem like a bit of a scam I don't know I know yeah. there's obviously there's some big western names who are like vying for the role like Luke Bayer is constantly posting videos of himself singing things <laughs> from Dear Evan Hansen like he clearly wants that role Calm down, Luke. I'm assuming there's a lot of young you know they should young cast in western a very actors. young
0: actor I think oh, I the only know. thing that I would accept is if they bring over Andrew buffeldman oh my god can you imagine this thing oh it, what they a were, dream because he's only him. just gotten into
1: Oh, and he's so young. He's such a big... He is so great on Twitter. Isn't he? Oh, oh he's my so God. much fun. Big fan of him. Another thing we were a big fan of recently, Dear Evan Hansen Universe, is that they released a Valentine's Day video, oh. which was, like, offensively cute, which was... Um, Taylor Trench ben? and Ben Levi Ross. Yeah, Ben Levi Ross, who's currently the US tour Evan Hansen, mm. and Taylor Trench, who um, was just before Andrew Barth Feldman as the Broadway Evan who are a real-life couple, doing a duet of Only Us. And it was just so precious. Our next bit of news is that Maggie Smith is returning to the London stage. Hmm. I was going to say West End, but it's Bridge Theatre, which is... I would off say West off West End, End but obviously, uh, we've talked about how much we love it as a venue. Love it. She will be um, starring in a German Life from the sixth of April to the eleventh of May, so that's very soon. And tickets are on sale for that on the twenty-sixth of February, so just a couple of days' time um, as of the release of this episode. A German Life is a new play by Christopher Hampton, which tells the story of Brunhilde Pomsel. Is
0: that how we Brunhilde? It?
1: Brunhilde, that's probably right. Mm. Brunhilde Popsel. Good at German. I mean, I'm I have over fifty day streak on Duolingo. Oh my god! German, Come and, on, Abby. We haven't talked about Brunhilde Popsel yet. <laughs> she worked as a secretary during the nineteen thirties um, and had many employers, including Jewish insurance brokers, German broadcasters, and Joseph Goebbels. Everybody's
0: favorite Goebbels, Jacob's,
1: <laughs> Jimmy Goebbels. So yeah, I mean, I. It, it's Maggie Smith, it'll be great, you She's know? great, isn't she? And I'm sure that Brunhilde was a... I mean, it sounds like she had a fascinating life and yeah. it's good to learn things about... It, it is, yeah. Things. It
0: is. The last piece of news of this bumper news section is that Audible, randomly, sure, are going to release on April the 4th an audio version of The West End True West starring Kit Harrington and Johnny Flynn, which closes on February the 23rd, so will have already closed by the time you're listening to this. But yeah, on April the 4th, Audible are gonna release the audio of it, which, I mean, from my perspective, the whole point of theatre is the visuals. Like, it's not I mean, it's nice. And I think it does give, you know, their the ambition is to kind of give global audiences access to the theatre.
1: Yeah. But, it mean... is a very speaky play. I mean, every play is very speaky. Oh, yeah, that's... But, you know, it you d- 99% just the two of them. Mm. So I feel like it'll just be like a sort of Radio 4 afternoon works. play. Yeah, actually. I think it's, yeah, it's very good... In terms of bringing theatre to new audiences, like the Netflix um, version of American Son we talked about last time. Yeah. This is another thing. It's a bit of a weird choice, I think, because I don't think it's not... True West is somehow having... Not somehow. For some reason, having a bit of a resurgence at the moment. There's a Broadway production. There's this West End production. Even though it's it's not a particularly timely play, I felt like it was quite dated when I went mm. to see it. Kit Harrington and Johnny Flynn are excellent in these roles, so I guess good for them that it'll be captured yeah. in some form at least but um yeah i don't quite get why this is happening now but there we honestly
0: are. the more we capture theater the better i think yeah i'm still waiting for them to release the video of the original broadway cast of hamilton uh just like the more we could do
1: yeah, to I'm capture theater
0: and release it to the masses the better i think I don't think it hurts theatre at all. I just think it makes people
1: more likely to go. I completely agree. It makes it more accessible. If someone stumbles across a video of something, I mean, that's the only reason I'm into theatre really is, yeah, I went to see quite a lot of theatre when I was younger, but what really got me into it was stumbling across kind of Broadway people on YouTube. Mm. And then, you know, probably spending a whole night watching random people on YouTube. And that's, you've got to make it something that people can kind of get into before they're going to invest, you know, a lot of money in a theatre ticket. It's not... Theatre is not a cheap, a cheap thing to get interested in. But Beautiful, beautifully worded. Thank you. Words are my speciality.
0: <laughs> German words. In German particular.
1: words. Hello. <laughs> um.
0: So now we are going to talk about Caroline or Change, which we saw a couple of weeks ago as of when you're listening to this. I would like to first caveat that I was very, very ill after we saw this, I was off work for a few days and so I think I was pre-ill when I was watching it so I was just in a bad mood. So I think that that's coloured my opinion of it. But personally, and I went in with medium-high expectations because it's got very, very good reviews but I really did not enjoy it. Like, I really didn't. Interesting. I, I thought Sharon D. Clarke was great. Yes. I thought she had a better voice than I expected her to. Interesting. Actually, because I only heard her a couple of times and I've always been like, she's got a nice voice, but I didn't necessarily think that she had an amazing voice. And now I do think she's got a very, very good voice. But I had many, many problems with it. And I feel like the biggest one was that it's so, so it's sung through. There's no script, which is fine. But I feel like if it's going to be a sung through musical, has to have songs. And I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting. But yeah. it. I feel like it was just... Obviously, there was an interval, but I felt like it was just two and a half hours of noise. Like it was very. There was almost no. It was like one big song that Sharon D. Clark sang, and there was a couple that the kids sang, but for the most part, it just there was no. There was no breaks.
1: I think. I think that's fair. And there was a lot of. We've spoken a little bit before that I'm not a massive fan of singing conversations yes. in musicals, and there were quite a few singing conversations. Yeah, which could just be in conversations. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I. For me it was a it was very much a show of two halves. So I thought the first act <laughs> aren't, all shows aren't all a show. Of two well, halves. you know sometimes <laughs> that's how shows work. Sometimes they have two intervals then it's three three halves. True. True, yeah. But in the, I thought the first yeah, when we watched the interval I was just kind of like, oh yeah, nothing stood out, nothing, you know, it was all for me the first act was very yeah matches what you're saying was very just kind of stuff Mm. heavy no one's character was really well formed in any way it was all very very here's one stereotype here's another Mm. which was still kind of the case in the second act but i thought the second act at least gave a little bit more had a little bit more narrative depth a little bit more weight to it an actual kind of plot that had some sort of meaning the songs that you're talking like that rachel mentioned are for me, I think all of those songs are in the second act. So yeah. Shandy Clark's big song is in the second act. Her daughter's big song is in the second act. Yeah, and yeah I just felt like everyone, even the the, the little white kid, his big song is oh, in there. Oh, he the, was adorable. Oh my God, the kids were cute. The kids were great. Um, the first act, I feel like, could have been... Like how in Lame is, they get through all the boring stuff with a really yeah. long, kind of seven to ten minute intro, and you're yeah. like, okay, yep, yeah, bread, meta, yeah. like religious man, yeah, sure, yeah. numbers Got on a chest, sure, there there yeah. Got it, set up, rest of the show. I kind of feel like there was for no me, rest of the show. <laughs> I felt like the first act could have been five minutes yes. of a, yep. you know, set up the plot with yeah and then the second act could have been more developed so i think there was more interesting stuff in the second act but it was rushed through whereas the first yeah. act i felt like nothing happened the second act i felt like the stuff that happened happened very quickly um a, a very very brief plot summary is that um caroline is a maid she's a slightly i would say slightly older woman isn't she 39 don't they say she's well, 39 which is... charlie clark is not 39 i'm kind of
0: interrupting now but... but i just feel like part of the problem for me with the whole show was that Caroline got very, very little character development. Yeah. I feel like, I can't remember the name of her boss, the new wife of...
1: Yeah, Rose?
0: Rose. I feel like she got the most character development in the whole thing and Caroline's daughter also.
1: Yeah, Caroline's daughter, I and think I feel by like the her end was the start of the show.
0: Yeah, her plot was interesting to me, the fact that she was like involved in kind of more And I, I thought the argument acts. between, so she's yeah. a maid
1: for this Jewish family and the mum's just well, recently died yeah. and the... Father is remarried, so it's that kind of dynamic. The son is, yeah. you know, slightly troubled because you know his mum's died. He doesn't really like his new stepmom. Yeah. So it's the dynamic, kind of the primary relationship, seemingly. Yeah. Like the way it's kind of set out is between this young boy and the maid. And then there's also, yeah, the maid's daughter who is kind of politically active. We know Mm. at the beginning that a confederate statue has been knocked down. Like that's kind of a plot, but kind of not a plot point. It's not a plot point. Everything is like, everything's almost there. And there's a moment where the, in the second act, the new wife's dad comes to stay from New York and he's a very radical socialist, you know, obviously from a big city when this show is set in kind of the deep South. Mm. And he's appalled by the kind of the culture of the deep south yeah remnants of slavery and and all of you know the segregation and everything and so him and yeah him and caroline's daughter both really want change but have def- very different ideas of how change should come about and i thought yep. that was a really interesting that, was that interesting. scene was a really interesting dynamic that was a good scene and and i just wish there was kind of i wish there was more of that and there was then a little moment between caroline and the boy where they touch on sort of racism and anti-semitism at the time and, yeah you know, that was just, bleak yeah like there's oh. all this stuff where i was like that's more like that's maybe that's what we should see because you've got this so it's set in the 60s obviously all the adult jews that will still be reeling from you know yeah. kind of the holocaust and then obviously the black community there was segregation was you know it was everything was very fresh for both those communities And yet that wasn't the thing that was necessarily... And like, I just felt like there was a lot that it got to the surface of and didn't... A lot of missed opportunities. Didn't quite get there. I feel Um, like... Which is a shame. I don't feel like
0: Caroline herself, like you you got a bit of backstory about why she was kind of...
1: Still a maid, even though she doesn't want to... Well, that, but then
0: also just kind of what's happened in her life to make her sort of the way that she is. Yeah, because she is
1: quite brash. She's very brash.
0: And she doesn't really get any character development. Like she sings that song at the end And then she just goes back to being a maid and there's no sort of resolution.
1: Yeah. I don't know... It's just some of the songs were kind of unpleasant to listen to. Oh my god! Yeah, that's the what one I mean. where, it was just like it was just. I noise. think when JFK died and, and Caroline singing with another friend of hers who's a maid who's going who wants to like educate and better herself. Yeah. They were singing and the moon was like singing. Oh, why was there even the moon? I kind of got it because of the it like it linked in at the end with the mum's death, but and I don't you know. Like, oh, I didn't get. That I link at all. I don't like to be. I did not like her voice.
0: No, I didn't either.
1: It, and so that I think didn't help because then I was like, then it's just a lot of noise they're all just People singing kept, things like, I don't laughing
0: every time the moon got wheeled in and I'm like I don't think it's meant to be funny no. Like, but I just don't it know what weird. it's meant to represent yeah. why is she singing why I is found the moon?
1: it. yeah I found it a confusing I thought it was a very
0: confusing piece a confusing I it was show was a confused piece
1: yes I would agree um, a little bit of context for Caroline or Change it was written by Tony Kushner who obviously has written great things he wrote Angels in America he wrote screenplay for the film Lincoln for Munich like he's he's good but you know, he and, the did this. and the score's score-y. by Janine who also I love her very. I she just, wrote Fun Home, and, and there wrote... were moments that were felt very fun homey to me with the boy oh, when the boy was like running Maybe, around actually. the outside. Yes, and also like it was written very well. We talked when we talked about Fun Home, we went to see that last summer. Probably mm-hmm. now we talked about how it's written very well for children's voices, and yes. this was again written yep. very well for this. You know, for the young actor. So I mean, this show is about 15 years old. It premiered off Broadway in 2003. It feels older. It feels so much older. It just feels a little bit lost to me. I don't really? know. Um, and I think the... Produ- I don't think it's the production fault. Well. I think the production in a lot of ways was very good. Um, I didn't...
0: Actually, I didn't like the staging. I liked the turntable, but I didn't think they needed one. Like, it was pointless. They didn't use it, really. I didn't like the... like. There's, like, stair... I get like why they had, like, an upstairs and a downstairs, because it had to be obvious that she was in a basement. But I just didn't think that it was, like it felt like they had barely any room on the upstairs bit and I felt like that was very palpable.
1: That's true, yeah, it was tight there.
0: It was very tight and I just didn't think that it was... It was just very... like That background didn't move at all for the whole production. It was just there. And maybe yeah. that's purposeful because I, like just yeah, stuck in like the basement and other yeah no that, I think that but didn't
1: necessarily bother me so much I just I I didn't it didn't bother me but yeah, I just thought it didn't help they didn't do anything particularly interesting it was just very static I think I I'm, I'm kind of I'm glad I saw it because I'm yeah. glad I kind of know about it yeah. and stuff I I think went in like Rachel with high hopes and it just didn't quite do it. For me. we did see graham norton there though we did see graham norton that I was had a fun great night so that is That's... what we thought about carolina yeah. if you're intrigued it is on until the second of march so you have days mere to days get to get there and um, it's last week i think it's the third of march actually oh could yeah. be the second we don't know okay so on to the final chunk of the episode where we're going to talk a little bit about lgbt representation in theatre and stuff and i think this is an interesting one because there is obviously a sort of stereotype of the lgbtq community being very into theatre, particularly um, gay men. If you like musical theatre and you're a man, you're probably gay. If you're a gay man, you probably like musical theatre. That's the stereotype. We're not saying if it's true or not. But also in terms of a lot of people who are quite prolific in the musical theatre world, actors or writers produce all that there's a high percentage traditionally of gay men in those roles but it's not necessarily represented on stage or at least it hasn't been until the past couple of decades and even then you know there's work to be done definitely in some areas Mm. i mean first of all because it's lgbt history month we thought that we would try and look into how that stereotype kind of came to be but it turns out it's not so much a reason but there is this kind of big history particularly um, gay men as writers of musical theatre, particularly at the turn of the 20th century, there were quite a few prolific musical theatre writers who, although could be open about their sexuality, are quite commonly known to have been gay. And when you listen to some of their songs, you can Mm. hear the sort of coded messaging or sometimes not so coded messaging in their songs. So one example of this, who's a very, very well-known, you'll know a lot of songs, is Cole Porter, who was sort of out in his community, but obviously not massively publicly. And in a lot of his songs there are things that would kind of be sung now with a little bit of a smaller wing were definitely known then. So there's the song You're the Top, which is like, I mean... Yeah. Come on. His song Tom, Dick or Harry, which literally just sings the word dick a lot. A, it's a it's lot. A lot, a lot. A lot of dick in that one. Um <laughs> Anything Goes, which again is the sort of going away from the kind of normal areas of society is a sort of thing. A lot of what he wrote was written to cater to a closeted audience. Yes. And was it
0: purposely written to cater to a closet or was it just like him being like I'm Uh, gay and I'm in the closet so I'm just gonna put some of these songs and nobody will know. Yeah I don't know I think a bit And then the gay community kind of took took to
1: it because they read into i it feel like maybe he wrote were. it for the people that he knew so i think at the time yeah. from my basic research and i will say a, a shout out to the youtube channel musical theater mash who has a much better series on this than we will probably be able to communicate now mm. i can't even get that sentence right so just go watch his videos it in for more. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> it seems like at the turn of the 20th century, there was already this community of gay men who for some reason were attracted to theatre, probably, you know, something to do with the sort of outcasts of society, this thing of already sort of living some element of a performed life mm. in that they couldn't be. Out and proud that there was this kind of, you know, being sectioned off from society. They kind of get away with a bit more in the theatre. So there was already that stereotype of gay men being performers and liking theatre. So I feel like maybe by this time Coldwater was aware that there would be quite a few gay men in an audience, mm. and it was a little bit of a, hey, you guys will get this, but other people won't necessarily get this there was a lot of kind of coded language in songs around that time in musical theater generally that yeah would have been picked out by mm. a gay audience
0: there's also Noel coward no example another.
1: yeah so there were a few writers at the time that were just kind of yeah they were still writing you know your kind of classic straight stories mm. but making sure that there was something there for a queer audience mm. even at that time there weren't really or that there just weren't gay characters in musicals. When they were brought in, they were either sort of tragic characters who, you know, were probably unhappy because in some parts to their sexuality, yeah. Or they were more the villains of the piece, and that was the same in um, cinema mm. around the same time. So I think we always think of progress generally, but also in sort of that in LGBT history as being a sort of upward trend and that we're always just getting better but in the early 20th century there was a lot more lgbt or let's be honest g Mm. um, representation (laughs) in art but it just wasn't necessarily always portrayed in the best light
0: so up until the late 1960s there had been kind of gay representation on stage but it hadn't been in a very nuanced way as abby said it was very much kind of the the villains or just like the people with terrible lives with people who happened to be gay until in 1968 the boys in the band premiered off broadway um so the boys in the band is a play um about a group of gay men who get together for a birthday party and at the time in 1968 it was groundbreaking for its kind of normal portrayal of gay life it's been called a game changer and revolutionary because of the way that it just put gay men's lives on stage in a world that sort of wasn't still ready to sort of accept mm-hmm. them so at the time when it premiered mainstream audiences were really quite shocked because you just you just sort of hadn't seen that on stage before and it has been sort of contended that that play sort of inspired in part the Stonewall riots and the gay rights movement because once you'd sort of seen that on stage you kind of wouldn't settle for seeing yourself as anything less than that on stage I think yeah interesting to know it was also revived in 2018 for
1: the 50th anniversary of the play with an all-star cast an incredible cast which I would on, love to have seen on Broadway so it was I mean who wasn't in it Matt bomo it was Zachary Quinto it was Andrew Reynolds it was Jim Parsons Jim Parsons it was Charlie Carver it was so many people, and it was um, an all-gay cast, which was nice. So since 1968, there have been many more musicals that kind of
0: explicitly put gay representation on stage. So obviously in the 1970s, Rocky Horror premiered, We've done a whole episode about Rocky Horror, so you can go and listen to that if you want more detail.
1: So yeah, obviously it's just, it's a very kind of queer show in a lot of ways. I mean, there's not, probably just even in the sense that it's quite hard to define Frank-N-Furter as a character. Yeah. Or like, you know, as an individual. And yet he's a sympathetic character. You know, he wants to sleep with the men and the women. It's a very explicitly Mm. just kind of anything goes sort of show jerry herman who in the 60s was writing these sort of big diva shows for women then in the early 80s came out with la cage full which was very similar to his shows except that those divas were gay men and that was again like super groundbreaking so obviously mm. rocky horror everything's very out there very kind of extreme but la cage full although a very over the top thing is it also has like is a little bit more human and obviously gave the world of musical theatre and the gay community this sort of massive gay anthem of I am what I am it's an example of um, someone just being very unapologetically themselves it was still it was really really game-changing in um, just how open and warmly the story was told.
0: Obviously then in the 1980s and 1990s there were a couple of plays that really put the AIDS crisis on stage. So there's obviously The Normal Heart, which is a play by Larry Kramer and also a film by Ryan Murphy, which is yes. heartbreaking.
1: Oh, it's so sad. Really
0: sad. And obviously Angels in America, um, which was recently revived, but premiered in the
1: 90s. Early 90s, 91. I 91, believe. I believe. Um, and also around that time, that's when Falsettos came out. So Falsettos is one of my favorite shows of all time, which is a really interesting one because although it's now performed as this full piece, It's actually kind of these, it's two smaller musicals that were, that came out at different times. So there's March of the Falsettos, which came out in the early eighties, which sets up this storyline of this kind of selfish guy who's left his wife and kid for a young male lover and that he's just going to live out and proud. And, you know, the issues that that has with his family, really great, such a good (laughs) show. But so that first act is very much kind of the family dynamic of it first act as it is now and then the second act of the show falsettos is the show falsetto land which premiered in 1990 off broadway and although it's following these same characters it's a little bit later and being that you know the decade that passed was like defined by the AIDS crisis in new york and in the lgbt community it tells that story it's kind of like I mean, obviously not quite in real time, but you've got these characters who existed sort of pre AIDS crisis in um, March of the Falsettos now being affected by that in um, Falsettoland. So as an overarching show, which debuted in the early 90s, it's a musical that kind of tells the the change, for, like, how the AIDS crisis changed LGBT representation in a lot of ways, that it's it goes from these characters just being like, we're gay now, and you're going to accept it, and everyone adjusting to it, to it being this kind of tragic thing again. I really recommend Falsettos. If you haven't seen it, you can watch it online, filmed professionally, starring Christian Brawl and Andrew Rannells and... Stephanie J. Block. Stephanie J. Block. It's so worth watching. Obviously, then in the 90s, you've got
0: examples like Rent, which features a gay couple, which is very nice. Couple. A
1: couple of gay couples. A couple of gay, a gay couples. A gay, a couple gay, of gay and couples. A
0: lesbian couple. <laughs> and obviously Hedwig, which is a brilliant, it's a brilliant oh, show.
1: Another one of my favourites. But
0: also kind
1: of, what do you call Hedwig trans? I, mean? I think that's an interesting one, because it's both Hedwig and Itzhak in that show. Both of them are... I would say with Itzhak I would say Itzhak's trans yeah but with Hedwig I think it's a really interesting one it's definitely living and gender non-conforming yes it's de- Hedwig's definitely gender non-conforming I don't know if I would say Hedwig is, is trans no I, mean, I agree mean Hedwig is typically seen as it's a role played by primarily men some women have played the role mm. who's kind of refer to as a woman yeah. but if you know the show if you if you listen to the songs you get a very good idea and I would recommend you do that mm. of the story and the way, what happens in Hedwig's life to get them to the place that the story is at yeah but I don't know whether I don't know how much Hedwig is trans or that Hedwig just kind of doesn't care about gender and yeah. is forced into yeah. a sort of trans experience
0: yes through berlin yeah so that sort of covers sort of covers the the t of lgbt a little bit you've also now got a show that covers the l one of very few examples you can actually think of but obviously fun home has a main character who is a lesbian and whose father is sort of a closeted gay man so it's a really interesting portrayal of both the
1: l and the g yeah and again that sort of the change of the lgbt community through time yes as well um so i think yeah a lot of what we've talked about today has been sort of gay men as part of musical theater culture yeah. but yeah the lbt of lgbt is yeah. is not as well represented but there are examples um, there are examples but just not
0: obviously not quite as many
1: yeah so it's i don't know yeah it's interesting if the whole thing is a sort of performative life is what drew the kind of gay community to theater then it's interesting that wouldn't have necessarily have appealed to other people maybe it's just that women couldn't live these sort of like i guess men could live as bachelors whereas women couldn't really get away with that so much so men maybe had a bit more of a opportunity to just be very theatrical and live live that sort of life whereas a woman had to be be, yeah had to have kids had to you know so I don't know. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting stereotype that exists for whatever reason. Mm. And yet that it, did, that it took so long for it to get onto the stage. Like, mm. like 1968, although it seems very early, if you think about how long gay men were seemingly writing musical theatre, mm. like very much in that world, that's a long time for it to actually get on stage in a meaningful way. Yeah. There's a lot more that can be done. It's still a lot of stories of white men who happen to be gay rather than Well, just a lot of stories about white men generally. Just a lot of it? stories of white men. It's just they've made some of the white men gay, which is great. Yeah. a step in the but right it's always, direction. It's always a white man. But it does tend to be... I mean, that's, I guess, Rent is the only example I can think yeah, of I was we've talked thinking, about yeah. where it's kind of specifically not white. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I feel like that was... That was a very whirlwind journey for yeah. LGBT representation. It was. The theater. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, it is interesting. I think hopefully it's sort of the sort of thing generally like what LGBT History Month is doing is trying to uncover stories. That obviously, it's not that obvious necessarily where the influence started because everyone was living quite hidden, they were kind of forced to live quite hidden lives in the LGBT community. Mm. So it's hard to know where these things started or even to know kind of who, what the influence was. Like there's definitely a lot of writers we didn't talk about who were gay and there are probably some that we don't know were gay even. But yeah. Um, Happy LGBT.
0: I can't. LGBT History Month. Happy LGBT History Month, everybody. Educate yourselves. Educate yourselves. Read a book.
1: Just read any book. Any book. Yeah, generally just pick up a book.
0: Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in a couple of weeks when we'll talk about other things, probably, hopefully. (laughs) Bye. Bye.